Today is the fourth Sunday after Trinity Sunday, and the Gospel reading appointed for this day is from St. Luke's Gospel, the sixth chapter, beginning with the 36th verse. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not per perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. The collects of the church, that is to say, the prayers which are assigned for each Sunday, are often quite ancient, dating to the earliest days of the church, and are written in such a way as to offer prayer to the Lord in keeping with the doctrine taught in the appointed readings for the day, and in so doing, have much to teach us through continued meditation on those prayers. Consider, therefore, the words of today's collect. Grant, O Lord, we beseech thee, that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by thy governance, that thy church may joyfully serve thee in all godly quietness. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. It teaches us that we need to pray to the Lord that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by divine governance, because the sins of men have brought suffering and death into the world. St. Paul wrote in the epistle reading assigned for today from Romans, the eighth chapter, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We need to be taught this because we are often tempted to take counsel of our fears. The collect appointed today was, for today was shaped by this reality. It comes down to us as one of the earliest of the known Collects. It comes from the early Latin sacramentaries and is attributed to Leo the Great, who was Bishop of Rome from the year 440 to the year 461. Leo knew something of the need for divine governance to peaceably order the course of the world, for it was during his decades as Bishop of Rome that Attila the Hun invaded Italy, sacking and pillaging as he went. Emperor Valent uh, Valentinian III sent Leo personally to negotiate with Attila in 452, after two previous embassies had failed. Leo persuaded Attila to withdraw. But only three years later, the Vandal king, Genseric, sacked Rome. Again, Leo went to the Vandal king and pleaded with him for the churches of Rome, and the basilicas of St. Peter, St. Paul, and St. John were spared, with many of the people of Rome taking refuge within those churches as the Vandals looted and burned the whole city. Thus the words of the collect. Grant, O Lord, we beseech thee, that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by thy governance, that thy church may, may joyfully serve thee in all godly quietness. Our Lord declares in Luke the sixth chapter, 
But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. This is the context, then, for the words which come at the beginning of today's Gospel reading. How do we, as church, respond to those who hate us, persecute us, and shower evil on the church? The remembrance of the kindness of the Lord toward the unthankful and evil is a powerful reminder to us of the daily bread which the Lord bestows upon all. God gives daily bread, even without our prayer, to all wicked men. What is daily bread? Everything that belongs to the support and wants of the body, such as meat, drink, clothing, shoes, house, homestead, field, cattle, money, goods, a pious spouse, pious children, pious servants, pious and faithful magistrates, good government, good weather, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. When the wicked deprive us of such things, we remember that the Lord gives all, and he can restore that which is lost. The word of the Lord continues, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. This teaches what we have learned from the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look upon our sins nor deny our petitions on account of them, for we are worth, worthy of none of the things for which we pray, neither if we deserve them, but that he would grant them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much and indeed deserve nothing but punishment. So will we verily on our part also heartily forgive and also readily do good to those who sin against us. The Lord forgives those who repent of their sins, and that repentance is something which the Holy Spirit works in the hearts of men through the Word of God. Evil must be confronted through the law. It is thus that we read in the large catechism in the explanation of the Eighth Commandment. Thus you see, in short, it is forbidden to speak any evil of our neighbor, and yet the civil government, preachers, father and mother are accepted, that this commandment may be so understood that evil be not unreproved. For here necessity requires one to speak of the evil, to make accusation, to investigate, to testify, and is not different from the case of a physician who is sometimes compelled to handle and examine a patient in parts otherwise not to be examined. Just so governments, father and mother, brothers and sisters, and other good friends are under obligation to each other to reprove evil wherever it is needful and profitable. But when the law has done its work, and the Holy Spirit has worked repentance in the heart of the sinner, then the words of the gospel from last week teach us that there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Jesus' words teach us again 
The danger which confronted the Pharisees and which imperils us when we are not showing forth the mercy of the Lord toward the repentant. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is a powerful parable, which illustrates the danger posed toward the one who will not forgive those who repent. The hard-hearted burden the repentant because of their own sin, and in the midst of a world which is already overwhelmed with its sorrows and burdens, such hard-heartedness increases the burden on the Lord's saints. It is thus that we hear the words of Isaiah, the 58th chapter, concerning the fast which is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. For God's word declares, Is this not the fast I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo with the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. In short, then, the fast is to lighten the burdens which afflict our brethren, and to see the means which the Lord has given for our use in this world as a means to ease the suffering of others. For our brethren stand in need. St. Paul teaches us, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. The first fruits of the Spirit, the faith which the Lord has worked in us, are present, and yet we groan together with the whole creation, under the burdens which sin heaps upon the world. It is not hard for us to comprehend the need for the Lord's intervention, so that the church may, may serve the Lord in godly quietness. The Lord who has given all is the one who beholds our mercy toward our brethren, and on this account we are called to repentance before the Lord, for we are often desirous of the mercy of the one who calls us to show mercy as well. It is thus that in sorrow we come before the Lord to repent and to begin anew. The Christ who proclaims the mercy of the triune God is the one who has merited that salvation which we have received. For his own blood was shed for the sacrifice for sin, so that we would have life in Christ by grace through faith in him. The thoughts, words, and actions of men have brought death and pain and struggle to this world. But the Lord speaks peace to his saints in the midst of the darkness of this age. It is he who has loosed the bonds of wickedness, undone the heavy burdens, let the oppressed go free, and broken every yoke. Jesus has accomplished this victory through his death for us, so that in his resurrection we would have the hope of eternal life through faith in him. The day of the revealing of the sons of God shall come, and the sorrowful world which has been afflicted by sin will be renewed. The Lord has had mercy on us, which surpasses all human comprehension, 
for God himself has suffered punishment for us, so that the guilty might be absolved, and we would know fellowship with the Lord. The Christ, who has risen victoriously from the dead, is our God and Lord, and he is our advocate with the Father. Amen. Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, we beseech thee, that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by thy governance, that thy church may serve thee in all godly quietness. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to visit them today for the 10.30 a.m. worship service. Sunday school is available for all ages at 9.30 a.m. Salem is located approximately two miles north of Malone, off of FM 308. For more information on Salem Lutheran Church, we invite you to visit us on the internet at www.salemlutheranchurch.net. Salem is affiliated with the Evangelical Lutheran Diocese of North America. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.